Hello, Internet, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Capricorn Podcast. We're your Geek Slash Nerd Discussion Podcast. Normally, we take one topic from TV, movie, video game, book, whatever we feel like batting around that day, and we talk it. No, whatever we feel like talking about that day, and we bat around until we get bored. Whatever we feel um, like batting around that day, and we talk, about, <laughs> we talk to it until we get bored. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm your host who tripped over his own intro. Uh, Patrick with me, my co host, Jared. Say hi, Jared. Uh, today, I'm back on my news cap, and I'm Newsy J. Yep, uh, this is our uh, Oops All Topics episode. If you haven't listened to one of our Oops All Topics episodes before, uh, it's where we take a few of the uh, you know uh, news slash scandal uh, headlines and give our uh, you know also valuable two cents on them, um, and uh, just and talk about stuff that wouldn't really uh, take up a whole you know hour long episode. Yeah. So first up, uh, the OJL. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the the finale. <laughs> To the uh, to the controversy that won't die. Yes, um, this uh, th- this will be probably the last that we'll have to talk about it because I can't imagine any more big breaking news coming out uh, about the OGL. Uh, but the the latest news, as it is, I mean, to be fair, like the we might discuss the ORC when it comes out when it's actually publicly available. Yeah. Um, but uh, right now for the OGL section of this. Uh, Wizards has backed down. Uh, they are putting the SRD in Creative Commons, and uh, they have said that they will not replace the OGL and will be looking to add to take out the clause where it could even be changed to begin with. Uh, it's so weird to me that so many people forget that that clause is in there because they always just say like "add revocable to it," and I'm like, you can't have re- irrevocable in the in your two page contract that also says. This contract can be changed at any time. Yeah. Um, so technically, the OGL still has to kind of be rewritten just to take things out of it. Um, but they have sworn to like not change the the better whole of the document. Um, now, me personally, um, uh, still having done the research that I did on it and seeing why the OGL needed to be changed. Um, and having discussed this with other people who work inside creative industries, um, who were like, oh, the OGL is an incredibly weak document that Wizards, Wizards lawyers probably should have, like, before it even came out as the original OGL, should have done more work on, like, because uh, it has problems, and people have, and obviously in the 23 years since it's come out, people have been exploiting it. Um, there are things that can be exploited on it. And, uh, so, uh, but for all those who were just like, oh, the OGL can't be changed at all, you won. Uh, uh, I guess I hope you're happy, uh, uh, for the thing that was probably never going to affect you anyway. Um, cause I mean, it wasn't like, uh, and, uh, uh, but I do have, uh, Two anecdotes about this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Pat. Uh, Pat is so desperately waiting for the OGL stuff to just be over and die already. Um, and to be fair, like, the community's been so extremely toxic and just shitty during this entire time. It's made it's made pretty much all of, like, being involved in, like, D&D TikTok or uh, being involved in the, the like, tabletop uh, areas at all. 
just kind of toxic and not fun. Like, more, than, more than they were before. Yes, much more than they were before. Yeah, we um, we, we had we had our we had our toxicities. Don't get me wrong. Oh, uh, yes, for sure. But um, but one uh, so the survey uh the survey had dropped for OGL like one point two, and uh, and I was looking through people's responses uh to it on Twitter, and uh, and so basically uh like uh. D&D Beyond's Twitter account had put put, put up the, the survey, and then they had left multiple comments. It was like, okay, within the first few hours, they're like, okay, we can really see that you guys did not like the virtual tabletop wording. We'll have to work on that. We see that you really didn't like this, so we'll, we'll go back to this. Um, and, like, it was a lot of stuff they were like, okay, clearly this isn't working, this isn't working, this isn't working. Um, and... Uh, and I don't even know how much of that is purely people that were just like write in zeros for everything, and then all your comments just be keep the original OGL, um, uh, because Wizards didn't release the data, um, which was a problem some people were having. There had been a little conspiracy theory going around. I, I might have even mentioned it last time that Wizards was just going to say everything was good, um, uh, and never release like what actually the the survey results were, and then we were all just gonna have to like take them at their word that we wouldn't have believed. Um, the very first like top comment uh, from somebody, which there's a lot like leading through the comments, it was mostly people just being like, "Don't change it, add irrevocable, blah blah blah." But the very first comment was somebody who was like, uh, "We can't trust Wizard at their word about what they're saying at this." Uh, so I've created my own survey, which is open for everyone, so everyone can read everyone's comments, and uh, and all of this be uh, out uh, out there. And the guy only like posted a couple of times where there's just like incredibly like almost like paranoia level, and I just thought this guy like is protesting like a lot, um, and uh, and he has a verified account. I don't know who he is, so I I go into his account and I start looking through his tweets, and then like three tweets down. Like, uh, there's somebody writing about something, uh, and he just had retweeted and quote tweeted and just said, like, pray, uh, preach on, brother. So I started reading that guy's post, like, that, see, like, what this guy was so excited about. And that guy, the, the, the second person, was business partners with the guy who was protesting the OGL by wanting to have his own survey. And, uh, and so the preach on, brother post was, uh, was the history of the uh, of this guy's version of what wizards had done to him and how they had wronged him, he was the man that did the NFT stuff. The guy that we had uh, we had discussed like originally, it was like yeah, people abusing the system and were trying to like create NFTs that wizards couldn't do anything about. He he had written like this twenty something long tweet string. About how like Wizards is stupid and doesn't want to get on the, the ground floor of business, and they crippled his business opportunities by uh, uh, stopping him from making a cryptocurrency and non fungible tokens out of their property, and uh, and and how like Wizards was too greedy and was sliding people for this, and um, and so once again I I use that anecdote to re- to reiterate that fucking all, so many people that were stirring up the, the shit were absolutely in it for their own profit. 
Um, there were so many people taking advantage of this um, uh, for the purposes of capitalism when everyone was getting mad at Wizards about like uh, supposedly taking people's money when they weren't. Um, and then the second story is uh, the, uh, Wizards has been in such shit right now that they actually put out a bunch of details for their next adventure and they had to just kind of put it out on the sly because um, I don't think Pat even knows about it. Uh, the Keys to the Golden Vault. They actually released uh, the book artwork. They released the synopsis. <laughs> they released like a bunch of information about it. And literally they were just like, let's just let's just slide it out there for those who want to maybe see this and uh, not really make a big announcement of it because if we do, we're just going to get spammed with like, don't change the OGL. Okay. Um, have you read it? Have you read the synopsis yet? Uh, it's a, it's another adventure anthology, which... Like Candlekeep? Like Candlekeep, like Radiant Citadel, like, uh, Ghost of Saltmarsh, like, uh, Yawning Portal. Okay. So this will be the fifth, uh, adventure anthology. Which I'm, I'm okay with those, with those books, but, like, they, uh, they don't it, really they excite have some me. type of uniting theme, like the... Uh, heists. Okay. They're all heists. Um... And, uh, and I, uh, from what I've read, like, they, they take place from, like, like there, some of the, like, uh, apparently, like, a couple of them are, like, Spelljammer heists, and some of them are in, like, Baldur's Gate, and, like, Minsk and Boo, like, might, might show up, wink, wink. But, uh, like, um, and I will say that for me personally, um, uh, I am loath to do heists in a game, because I have seen what a... All heist adventure will get you, which is the absolute hatred of Patrick. <laughs> well, you can still do it, just don't have me at the table. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I am not in your I am not in your Thursday game. I, y'all seem to be very much happier for it. Uh, well, our Thursday games have been through a couple of different DMs now. Like now, yeah. uh, we have somebody else entirely running it. Yeah, but y'all having fun, right? Yeah, that's all that matters. Oh okay, yeah, there you go. Um, no heist. But, uh, yeah, um, uh, Eberron, Eberron's, uh, uh, first, uh, season for, uh, Adventures League modules were, uh, were all heists, all the time. Every module was a heist, and Pat wanted to play a super scientist going in with a big ray gun and shooting things, and we were like, oh, no, you can't go in and shoot things, you have to be in a heist. Yeah, uh, don't, (laughs) don't tell me that after we've already started playing, tell me that before. Tell me that before I've even created a character. This is why Session Zero is so important. Uh, I had not read all of the adventures. I didn't realize literally every single one was going to be a heist. Because if you say that to me, if, if uh, I would have I would have scoffed. and been like, that, they can't be doing that. It can't literally be all heists all the time. And it was, oops, all heists. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but to be fair, a good heist, um, when, when it's not the only thing you're doing, can be fun. So I'm actually looking forward to the Keys of the Golden Vault. Because also, like, in heist stories, you, you do the heist, and you're not supposed to have to do another one ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it's always one last job. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you go and you do the recruitment, and somebody says, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah. You know, o- Ocean's Eleven, it was supposed to be, we do this, and then we don't have to work again for the rest of our lives. <laughs> um. So... You know, uh, even even Fast and the Furious understood 
after you've done the heist, you don't do any more heists. Everybody's millionaires now. Now we now you just fight spies and go to space. Apparently, uh, hell yes. Yeah. So um, which so if that's what Jeff Bezos is doing, then you know maybe may, may, maybe we should you know think again about all the stuff we say about him. Uh, did you not real? Did you not remember Jeff Bezos going to space? Yeah, I remember him going to space. I don't remember fighting spies there. Oh, okay. Well, we don't know what he did in space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, other than wear that stupid cowboy hat. And that's concerning. Um, like Sleuther looking motherfucker. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, regardless, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't really get super excited for the, for the anthology adventures. Um, um, mostly because, like, they usually have a very thin connective tissue because they're meant to be run as standalone, but could be connected into a larger narrative uh, if you want. So what what is supposed to be the next hardcover coming out, or have they even announced it? I mean, the next one is Keys to the Golden Vault. Well, uh, I mean, like the next one that's like like a Tomb of Annihilation or something like that. Where it's, it's uh, I mean, it got announced and everything else, but I uh, I think it's but I don't remember because remember they didn't really put out a whole lot of information about what they were. Yeah, so. I, remember, I remember them just putting out a bunch of titles. Yeah, uh, I mean, technically, we just got Dragon Queen um, for those who want to do the Kren adventures. Um. But, uh, so we'll have to kind of, like, wait and see. Like, um, I know the Fandelver, uh, is supposed to come out in, like, June, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the hardcover that has, like, all of the other supplemental Fandelver stuff in it. Uh, I'm somewhat excited about that as someone who's had to go through the Fandelver three times now. Um, uh, I would love to actually get to complete it once. Oh, you never completed it? Mm-mm. Oh. Uh, Monica has run it for me three times, and every time, like something else has come up. Uh, most recently, she was uh, she was DMing our Thursday game, and uh, but because of her work schedule, we were having to miss so many games. We just decided, like, hey, it's gonna be best for everybody if we just uh, have somebody else DMing. Similar things are going on with our Sunday group. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll discuss that uh, internally and figure out um, because we keep talking about doing something about it, and we need to actually do something with it. Yeah. When was the last time we played? Uh, it's it's been like three months. Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, <laughs> well, when you're at the beginning of the year, it's always easy. It's always easy and fun to say like it's been a year since that. I didn't say it's been a year. I said yeah. it was last year. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Bryce with it. Yeah. Um, Bryce will hear this in like three months, and you know, he'll, and that'll be that'll be when he receives the shot. <laughs> um. But yeah. So the OGL stuff. Um. It is somewhat wrapped up for now. Like they haven't put out the the official like document. Nothing's been uh, is, is is out yet. But uh, taking wizards of the word and at this point, uh, with how how much everyone claims that their trust has been broken in wizards, like it seems like there's no reason for wizards to not follow up on what they've said, uh, especially because they're trying to get their sweet sweet subscribers for D and D Beyond back. Um, which I mean, they'll come back just keep putting out shit. Yeah. Like if it eventually all most controversies blow will blow over eventually. Yeah, but to be fair, like, uh for people that were involved in the middle of it, like like still to this day I still like will come across people being like, uh when they talk about the OGL stuff will be like, have we forgotten how racist um Spelljammer was? And uh was, as the black man in this conversation, it was just the Hadozi. Uh, but like you still hear it, and it's almost always from white guys, almost always from like white dudes. Um, 
who don't seem like they actually had a nuanced conversation with anybody. They just heard like, this is what you're supposed to say. And they're just kind of, but every, uh, everything, uh, don't put me, no, in, no one's a monolith and, don't uh, put me in the position of having to defend racists, but uh, in the, in the, in the battle, any battle for equality, the front lines are not a dozy. <laughs> Pat said that so defeated, <laughs> like, not quite Joker level defeated, but defeated. Yeah. <laughs> um. So mo- moving on from the from the OGL, finally, yeah. hopefully, moving, uh, moving on from moving on from one from one uh, disappointment to another disappointment. Um, and uh, getting into our gaming segment uh, or video game segment, uh, <laughs> for Spoken finally came out. Yeah, something that we've been hyping up for over a year. Yeah, since uh, the Game Awards before last. Yeah, uh, 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, it may not have been the Game Awards. It was... Um, it was the Game Awards. It was a different... Tri- it was a different... Was it the Tokyo Game Show, maybe? Uh, we it was it was a bunch it was a, a bunch of trailers were reviewed. One of them was Forspoken. Yeah. And then, I mean, the, and then the second time, we, we it was Gamescom. Was it okay? I was gonna yeah. say. Well, I mean, even then, it was still from twenty twenty one. Yeah. Because I, uh, we were looking forward to it when it was supposed to come out like in April of uh, last year, mm-hmm. and we'd already mentioned it a couple times before then. So, well, it's finally out. Yeah, and uh, public response has been tepid. Uh, yeah, at best. Um, like now most, neither one of us have played it yet. Yeah. Most of the reviews that I've that I've seen have been gameplay is okay. Uh, writing is not the greatest. Yeah, that's what I've, I've been hearing a lot of too. Um, uh, is that like, I've I've actually heard people like really really hyped on the gameplay and then still just be like the writing is bad. Yeah. Well, or they'll say it's good, but not not good enough to keep you. Yes. Like even even most of like the YouTube less players that I've seen playing it um, have only gone maybe like four episodes in. An episode being like an hour. Yeah. And um, then, like, really, yeah, the the viewer the viewership just isn't there. Yeah, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, I mean, we definitely look forward to it. Uh, I mean, I'll probably still end up picking it up uh, when it's not full price now at yeah. this point. Um, because, like, with time, with patches, like, we might be looking at a different game. Uh, although, I mean, once again, they spent so much time putting this game off, putting it off, putting it off. And Square Enix has so much shit coming out this year like I, this 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 being their second year of their final fantasy anniversary mm-hmm. uh where they decided to push it into this year as well um cuz uh i mean like we're expecting to get the uh the new uh trailer for the next expansion for final fantasy 14 final fantasy 16 comes out this year um Final Fan like uh, it's not off the table that Final Fantasy VII remake Part Two comes out this year, uh, Rebirth. Uh, so like, this could be a crazy year for Square Enix, and Forspoken might just be a project that like just doesn't get handled. Yeah, uh, which might have been the whole case. Like like uh, who knows? In a year from now or something like that, like we get to see some like uh, some more history for this. Like it might end up being that yeah, it's because they were working on all the Final Fantasy shit that uh. Forspoken just kept getting put by the wayside, and they were just like, okay, like, uh, it's not getting worked on, it's not getting worked on, fuck it, we gotta put it out. <laughs> and that might have been the case. Yeah, which, like you said, that's, that's, that, that is just shitty. 
Um, yeah. Uh, I have. I will say that I have heard uh, some people on the other side. Some people who, uh, who have genuinely enjoyed the game, um, but like the defense that they give the writing, um, which is not not one I particularly even disagree with. I just you have to take something like this on a case by case basis. Uh, is hey guys, like sometimes things are meant to be corny, like they're they're silly on purpose, and sometimes there's nothing wrong with something being kind of like silly or corny. Um, and it doesn't, and they're not actively trying to be serious. Having not played it, I don't know if, if that's what, if that's what it is. Uh, having not like been there sitting on, on it, uh, on it myself. Cause like, I mean, an isekai in general is a silly concept, but like, you know, it's either taken extremely seriously or it's taken to be extremely goofy. Um, so having not played it, I, I can't make that judgment. Uh, I can hope that that may be like what I take away from it as well. Um, is that like, hey, this line delivery is is just actually funny. I don't think well, that they're trying to do this or whatever. Or, or it could be that you know, when you whenever you do get around to it, you might go in with the expectations lowered. Yeah, and that can you know definitely color your experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't because I haven't pre-ordered. Uh, I but I haven't been to a GameStop lately. Uh, I've been sick for the last week, so. Uh, that that kind of saved me from going in and picking it up uh, at launch, and uh, and if I'd gone in like full expectations, not knowing anything, I definitely probably would have been disappointed. Yeah. Um, even though the story always looked goofy to me, um, I just was like, I always thought it was going to be the, just kind the, of the story wasn't why I was trying to play it. Yeah, uh, it was the gameplay, and so people say that like, oh, like the gameplay won't keep you around for all the end of the story. I'm kind of like. I don't know that that's not really the worst thing I've ever heard, and this comes from the person that like played and uh, completed, damn near one hundred percent completed uh, Saints Row last year, which also had a disastrous launch. Um, but from the beginning of that launch, uh, I was like, oh, a lot of the things people are complaining about are clearly intentional in this game. Yeah. Uh, Pat also played it, did not ha- have nearly as good a time. No, no, um, like. Uh driving is what I do for my actual job um, and uh, 90% of the side quests in Saints Row were driving drive to a place drive through uh, this obstacle course or attach attach to this to this thing something that I literally do for my job and drive to this to this location while the physics of it just do whatever the fuck it wants yes the, the physics were a feature, not a bug, um, but a lot of people seem to think they were a bug and not a feature. Yeah. Um, um, the, the, he, now, you know, he, hearing uh, you, and, you and Ryan talk about it, I know y'all had a much more fun time of it. Yeah. But also part of that was because y'all were able to use the co-op to exploit your way around to the more tedious bits. Yeah. I had no such advantage. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, it was just arduous and a pain in the ass. Uh, oh, uh, uh, here's a fun thing. Cause I mean, if, if, if you were either going to play Saints Row or you're not, and so I'll go ahead and spoil this. Uh, did, that, did we ever tell you that the co-op uh, pays off at the end? No. Um, playing the co-op pays off at the end. When you're going in for your final, very final mission and you're making the drive to it, um, uh, versus, uh, the new, the new Wale, um, when you hop in the car and you have your co-op partner on the side, y'all start talking. Oh. Uh, 
and they start bit uh, they start like bitterly arguing about who is like they're like hey how come every time I'm doing something you're just standing off to the side quiet. <laughs> Uh, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm the one talking. You're the one being over there quiet. And they're like, like, I mean, man, I love you. Uh, I've known you for forever. Uh, I think I like, like, I mean, we met when I was in like, you know, sixth grade and that brick fell on my head. <laughs> and like, they established this whole fucking lore in a conversation for like why you have a co-op partner. And, uh, and it was beautiful. It was so fucking good. It, um, it was a wonderful payoff. I like that. Uh, yeah, that's that's, that's that ge- genuinely, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I puts a smile on my face. Um, wish I wish I had a friend to play through Saints Row <laughs> with me for. I mean, it, to be fair, Gotham Gotham Knights is not doing anything for us uh, playing co-op. So, and you seem to enjoy it by yourself. Yeah. Well, I'm, I already beat it. Yeah. I beat it before y'all ever picked up the sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, uh, mo- moving on from, uh, from that, uh, you were bringing up that, uh, Avatar 2 had made its money. Oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, because we talk movie news and stuff like that, we, 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 we talk, like, box office from time to time, um, like, I don't know if we ever mentioned it on podcast, <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I know at this house, Avatar gets discussed a lot because, um, uh, nobody here is really a fan of it, and while a lot of people will have the discussion of like you know the 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 lasting effect of Avatar is you know not necessary not necessarily Jake's uh, Jake Scully uh, Scully and the story and all that it's really like the the innovation that James Cameron brought uh, with the cameras and and everything and uh, and that's why Avatar two took so long to get, even get made was technology had to reach the level that James Cameron wanted to be at for Avatar two. So maybe that was supposed to be the legacy here as well, is that he's now invented a bunch of cameras and camera techniques to, to make shots that could not have been done before. Same was with Avatar. Um, but uh, he did that while simultaneously also saying that uh, the movie needed uh, uh, like $2 billion uh, at the box office uh, for them to, to actually finish off the sequels uh, for his... Is it a quadrilogy or a? I, no I remember can't remember if it's four movies or five movies. I don't know. Um, I know I know the creators of uh, the Last Airbender need Sue. Uh, well, <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know. Do you know the whole of that? The whole of what? Oh, um, so uh, I'll I'll go ahead and sidetrack for real quick before I get back I, to my point. I, I, I just know that if after they after he does the I know the third one is supposed to be like his fire people. And if the if the one after that is Earth, then yeah, he's just totally ripped off the Avatar cycle. Well, yeah, um, that's uh, so Avatar: The Last Airbender. The reason it's not the reason it's not just called Avatar and it's called Avatar: The Last Airbender was because um, James Cameron had had uh, already trademarked the name Avatar uh, for production years before he worked on the movie. Uh, even though like Avatar: The Last Airbender finished all of its seasons before Avatar came, out, Korra was already yeah uh, like already had a season or two out, mm-hmm. uh, but they had to call it Avatar: The Last uh, Airbender because James Cameron was threatening legal action if they just called their show Avatar. He didn't want there to be confusion between the two. Uh, he didn't want there to be they they, they didn't want, he didn't want both of them just be named 
Avatar. That's why the movie is also not even called Avatar. It's just called The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. was to uh, prevent confusion for James Cameron's movie. Um, so, uh, so then, yes, when he uh, when he made the second movie, The Way of Water, and the next one's going to be, I don't know, The Fucking of Fire. Um, like, uh, yeah, the, the, the Avatar people have made a couple of jokes about it, but that is the full history of it. Like, like James Cameron has actively been stifling them somewhat in a very minor way for uh, a couple of decades now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all the better. Because, uh, you know, Avatar The Last, Air- Last Air- Airbender was great, and I don't want the James Cameron shit to be misconstrued as attached to it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, they finally squeaked across the, the finish line for having over $2 billion. Yeah, they... Um, uh, their most recent um, worldwide total is uh, two point one billion. Yeah, which I mean, that ain't nothing to sneeze at. Uh, does it have uh, what what they made what it made in America on there on what you're looking at? Uh, domestic uh, six hundred and twenty million. I want you to know how low that number is. That is nothing here in America. Um, it's very that's really low for a blockbuster. It's really low for a blockbuster. Um, like, people were wondering if it was going to beat um, uh, No Way Home for a while there. And the reason that that was even in contention is uh, Spider-Man No Way Home was never released in China. Because uh, China had somewhat of a Marvel blockade going on for a minute there. Ah. So that's why, like, if you look at like No Way Home, it's still like well over a billion dollars. like a billion and a half. It never got put in the Chinese market, the second biggest uh, international market. But Avatar uh, did, uh, which is what's helped it make a lot of its money. Um, because, uh, at this point, like, people were already uncomfortable with the, uh, the white savior, uh, you know, colonizer aspects of Avatar. Um, like, a lot of that was, was being derided then, which was a much less, um, uh, like, socially progressive culture than it is now, like, 14 years later. And now people just kind of can't look at it and not see all of the, all of that bullshit and the, all the baggage that that has, especially as an American story. Um, so, like, I, I want to ask you, Pat, personally, do you know anybody who has uh, a seen it, and if they have seen it, anybody who's been gushing about it? Uh, no, and no. I also do not know anyone personally who has seen Avatar: The Last Airbender. Or sorry. <laughs> Not, uh, Avatar the way of water. Uh, apparently, I don't Av- exist. <laughs> Avatar the way of water. I wouldn't exist at that point. Um, uh, that, that's giving me some existential, uh, existential dread right there. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, the way of water. It's I like personally there, do. I really know myself at all. <laughs> uh, uh, I also don't know anybody who actually went and saw the movie. Like I've seen people like on TikTok, like TikTok creators who are movie people who have watched it, um, and even then, amongst them, nobody gushing about the movie. Other than, oh, it looks really good. The story's really bad. Yeah. I mean, the only person I've ever heard, like, like have an overall positive take on it was probably, like, Straw Hat Goofy. But Even then, it wasn't a super, super yeah. positive take. But he, he's always at least somewhat positive on most things just because he likes movies. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't something that he, like, just... I don't think it was... It wasn't his favorite movie of the year. No, it wasn't anywhere close. Yeah. Uh, Marcel Lachelle, she was on, was his favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, 
but like getting back to what I was saying, like nobody was like super, super on like and excited for this movie. Uh, so it's just very kind of I don't know funny to me that uh, it just kind of made over two billion dollars on what is just seem was seemingly goodwill alone. Yeah. Because uh, like I said, not one person has been like active other than just saying like, oh, it looks really pretty. Because James Cameron. Uh, had made comments about the movie before it came out, when especially when its runtime was announced, because uh, it's like a three and a half hour long movie, it's three hours and twelve minutes. Yeah, uh, and uh, when uh, when asked about that, he was like, "Go to the bathroom. It doesn't matter. You'll be back to see it. You'll come and see it twice." Like he was expecting people to see it like three or four times, and uh, in America, that just wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, and I know that this is a very America-first mindset, but we live in America, so that's obviously going to be our perspective to begin with. I'm very, I'm just curious to compare it to Avengers, like something that we know crossed the billion-dollar mark. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, let's see, Avengers only had like six hundred twenty million domestically. Yeah. Huh. Are you talking about, talking about the original Avengers or Endgame? Original Avengers. I mean that's a movie from uh, that's 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 still an impressive number from a movie from that long ago. Yeah. Uh, now that being said, it Way of Water was in theaters longer than Avengers was. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to look up how long it was in release. Um, yeah. Uh, it was. Yeah, I can't. I can't find that right now. Not without me. That's fine. Deep, deep diving into it. That's fine. Um, I mean, once again, th- that's where, talking. Where, about- whereas, like Avatar: Way of Water has been out. It, it made that six hundred twenty million dollars, but that was over the course of uh, forty-four days. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been about a month and something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I mean, even then, that's saying like the original Avengers, which was from twenty twelve, uh, which is quite a long time ago, um, and. Uh, as we've seen, um, movies have just been making more and more money, basically since like since Avengers came out. Like Avengers is not the- well, like uh, Avengers is probably the one that told that taught Hollywood success means a billion dollars for a blockbuster. Yes, if it does, if it doesn't make a billion dollars, it has failed. Um. So, uh, but like, listen, that that was that was in 2012 money. Uh, so like things have somewhat changed since then. God, I, I, it does make me feel old to talk like that, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that was eleven years ago. Yeah. So um, we were younger men then, much less sore. <laughs> uh. Anyway, uh, moving on from from Avatar. That's that's all I had to say about it. I just thought it was kind of an interesting phenomenon that like. Uh, that it made this much money, but like I just don't know anyone that saw it, and I definitely don't know anybody that was gushing about it. Yeah, well, but like you know, I know there are a lot of people that don't look at that you know that whole cultural appropriation thing that you yeah. just said. A lot of people just don't even engage their brains with it that much. They just go to see the movie. Like my parents saw saw the first Avatar, and they they seemed to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, like you know. And like they're just they would not have thought about it. They just looked at it like an action movie. Alright. Um I can't say how accurate that take is. I never watched the original Avatar. Um see uh 
so moving on to our comic book news. This one, this is a very brief one, uh, more just kind of an- anecdotally funny. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of DC has been anecdotally funny lately. Yeah. But uh, recently, a comic Superman is back uh, on Earth. He was in War World for a while. Um, and when he uh, got back, he took over uh, the role as mainline Superman. Uh, he's back to being Superman in action comics. I think John Kent is still Superman in the Superman title. Um, but uh, while in uh, one of one of John's John's books, uh, he's got friends over at the house. He's looking for you know board games, and for some reason, he looks at his parents' closet, which is the last place I would look for that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and he finds uh, Superman's uh, War World costume. Which looks very um, bondagey. Su- <laughs> Superman by way of Edgar Rice Burroughs. <laughs> uh, it's the Superman trunks and the emblem, uh, the chest emblem, but like the chest emblem and the cape are kind of one thing, and it has like all of these like chains and stuff hanging off of it. Um, and he's like, "What? Why? Why did Dad keep that?" <laughs> And faster than a speeding bullet, which is, I guess, a, pair, a power you can marry into. Yeah. Uh, Lois slams the door shut and <laughs> Trey explains to John about boundaries. Uh, and, you know, the joke is, oh, they were, you know, that was their, you know, fun time outfit. There's no joke. That was definitely their fun time outfit. Yeah, that, that's their fun time outfit. It, it had a dog collar, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... And let's be clear here, like also Superman and Lois are freaks. Uh, they they have they have banged publicly in the skies of Metropolis before. Uh, I, yeah, I was gonna say like um, like yeah, sure, he's the Boy Scout and all of that shit. But like th- that should come as a surprise to literally no one who has ever seen the type of women that Clark likes. Clark has always been down for uh, for a woman that will put him in his place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lana, Lana, and Lois both share, both share that. Yeah, like that. That has always been the thing that that like Clark likes is that uh, he likes a dummy mommy, mm-hmm. and uh, so just see the costume was 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 really all it was was confirmation for, for something people had always known. Thing is, he went to War World in his normal Superman outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Clark, you had to find that. <laughs> He bought that with his own money. <laughs> he had to figure out what the exchange rate was for American dollars <laughs> on a um, on a foreign planet. Yeah, this is like this. This is like you know that shit looked this, new and clean. I, I mean, I, I hope he washed it. Hope he washed it before he hung it up. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just saying it wasn't battle damaged. Yeah. <laughs> That thing has never seen combat. But it has seen action. <laughs> but it has seen lots of action. <laughs> oh. Um But yeah, people were some people were freaking out about that, but that's like, you know, read the books. You will you will be much less surprised than you think you are of all the freaky sex shit that came out of comics in twenty twenty two. I mean Joker got pregnant. Joker got pregnant. Uh Cyclops dad got pregnant. Yep. Uh, uh, uh 
Spider-Man, you know, bust a spider nut in the Carol Danvers' mouth. He did. Uh, there was also um, Clea and Doctor Strange. Yeah, they, they banged so hard they became one person. Yep. Still named Strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, guys, like, like, we technically live in, like, what is being known as one of the most sexless times right now, and comics decided to get kinky. Yeah, people be fucking. <laughs> <laughs> That's to say nothing about all the all people of 2022 that was like, oh, this character's this sexuality, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 all, that always happens. That's just part of fandom. Like, you know, people uh, trying to see themselves portrayed in characters and stuff like that. But Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I just I, uh, when when we were discussing things, I was like, oh, we got to bring it because it just happened. Yeah, like yeah. like Joker pregnant was a little, is a little bit old at this point. But. Joker got Joker pregnant made the news. Yeah, which is weird because like like if, it, it made like big time like national news. Which once again very very weird, especially if you like know that comic that it was coming out from. Like you know the history behind what was what was going on. Like it's essentially a gag comic. Yeah. Like, uh, like, there's like a, a small run of Joker comics being done, and inside of that small run, in the back, like in the back of the issues, there's like a five-page comic essentially. And, um, and is Zatanna cast a spell on him to make him pregnant, and he uh, like threw up the baby. Yeah, and then like told Zatanna that like uh, she would be his new mommy, and then like I don't even know if it's been even been mentioned again. Because all of those com- like literally all those like little five page comics have always been like um, some woman hero manhandling the Joker and then being really into it, and uh, which you know there's no need for controversy there. No one gives a shit about Joker. <laughs> uh, I don't care if bad things happen to Mister J. <laughs> oh uh, well, actually speaking of this, is something we talked about at all, but just something I, I'll get your 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 take on right here on the mic. Okay. Uh, because this is a brand new thing that, like, uh, I think I read about happening literally like a like a, f- a couple days ago. Yeah, I'm known for my well balanced first impressions. Yeah. Uh, did you hear about how uh, the Joker might have a low level of immortality as a superpower? That's not nearly as surprising as you think it is. But I mean, like, but it was a confirmed thing by Batman. Okay. Yeah. Um. I don't remember what the comic was. I know it wasn't in Detective Comics. It's some type of crossover comic. Because uh, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of comics out now, like in that DC is putting out now, that were kind of like scrapped five uh, G ideas. Yeah, um, that they're just putting out to make money on. Like uh, the Batman Detective is was one. Batman Fortress is one. Superman and the Authority is one. No, this was like uh, I think I, I believe this was Batman Superman, like a one of those comics. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, and in it, like uh, Mister J got like extremely, extremely hurt to the point where like he should die, and um, and Superman was like, "Oh, is he okay? Is he going to live?" And uh, Bruce was just like, "Clark, uh, you got X-ray vision. You should be able to tell me." <laughs> uh, and well, uh, Bruce was like. Uh, yeah, um, the Joker can't be killed. Uh, uh, his heart is too full of, uh, hatred. Medically diagnosed hatred? He medically diagnosed with hatred. Uh-huh. This is something we talked about earlier because of my hero academia, but, uh, 
but uh, yes, uh, Batman uh, has medically diagnosed uh, Mr. J with hatred, uh, and that is why he uh, he can't die. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so like people were like, uh, is this actually confirmed canon? But but he makes mention of like, oh yeah, all these situations where he should have died, uh, he hates too much to allow himself to die, so he just continues to live, and he'll be fine within a few days. I mean, that may have just been Batman talking. Um, like he doesn't he doesn't one hundred percent mean everything he says. Well, yes, um, I am shortening it down. Also, I didn't read it. I read the quotes from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the main takeaway for most people is that like he's saying that he has a, le- a low level of immortality. Yeah, but also you know, keep in mind our my hero academia comparison. Yeah. How, many, how long are people going? At, oh, Mineta, this is confirmation. Mineta's by. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but that was also like a complicated like language. Uh, barrier kind of thing. Yeah. Um, then later, later confirmed with trolling. <laughs> uh, Horikoshi, Horikoshi loves inflicting pain to the most toxic elements of his fan base. Well, to be fair, Horikoshi is one of the most toxic elements of his fan base. God bless him for it. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you want to do. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so yeah, th- there's, it leaves it pretty strongly hinting, but obviously anything in comics can always just be with a with another turn of phrase be yeah. done away with entirely. Yeah, I mean it's it's two reasons. I I haven't read. I, I like you have not read the book in question. Yeah. Um. So if he does, great. If not, okay. It's just like you know another weird alternate take on Joker. Yeah, I, I was just curious if you, if you had any thoughts yeah. or feelings about Mister J having a low level of immortality. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Because I, I I would need to know you saying low level immortality is is he like an elf where he he'll live until something kills him or can he just not die? Uh, it was it was sandwich. more like it was more like he just can't die. Because I mean the, the the point was he was going to survive a major grievous injury. Um, so uh, but not necessarily like a healing factor. Um, just like things won't kill him that should. Eh, I maybe mean, Batman just fell from space. <laughs> oh, you didn't know about that? Oh no, I knew 100% about that. Uh uh it's been like uh, I've seen so many angry people about Bat God being like he's in his regular suit. He fell from space. Landed on his feet like a bat. Yeah. Also, I mean, there he could. Um like, you know, the they they actually like uh commentary actually map mathed it out. Um, the the temperatures that he would have been experiencing would have been less than a flamethrower that you know, like Firefly would use. So if his suit is insulated from that, he can he can survive reentry. His face is exposed. He wrapped underwear around his face. His face is exposed. No, he cut the drawers off his costume and wrapped them around his face. Did he? Because I've seen the I've actually read that. Yeah. I don't I don't remember him having. Uh... He like he cut the trunks off his costume and then wrapped them around his face because he he mentioned that his that his face was exposed. Oh yeah. Um, comics comics are crazy. This and you know so yeah this <laughs> that's just one ludicrous accomplishment on the myriad other ludicrous accomplishments just for Batman. Everyone else has way more. Yeah. So okay, Mr. J can't be killed conventionally. 
that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, get get something that's that's equally plot ignoring and stab him with it, like you know, nth metal or something. Right. Or Superman's arm. Yeah. Or just throw him into the sun. Uh, see, moving in on to our next bit, uh, this is some, you know, this is more local, uh, news, uh, we're, we're, uh, local to Birmingham, um, and we're about to have, uh, Comic-Con, which is probably our biggest yearly convention. Yeah. Um. Like, uh, the Huntsville Comic Expo is probably the second biggest, um, cause, like, they also, like, get a pretty big crowd in, usually. Yeah, but it's a, it's a mo- mostly anime convention, though they do cater to some other stuff, like video games and whatnot. Um, they w- they will be running uh, tabletop games because they do normally every year. Uh, they didn't last year, so I ran them. Yeah, for them. Uh, was not paid to do so. Was not even given a free badge to do so. And uh, if they don't do it again this year, I will do it again this year. So, uh, so if you if you are local to Birmingham, uh, I will have a three day pass. Uh, I will have my D and D stuff with me because I like to go to cons and play D and D. That is like the thing that I like to do at cons. Um, so, like, for me, that's what it's all about, and, uh, so, uh, so if, if you are local and you happen to be there, uh, you'll probably find me in there. I will be, once again, the, uh, the fat guy, uh, with the big, tall Pikachu hat on. I am unmissable at cons. He says, he says, but little did he know last year he started a trend, and now... Every other person will have a Pikachu hat on. I mean, people look like people know to look for me with that Pikachu hat. Uh, like I'm, I'm well known enough that like uh, uh, when I go to cons because I've run D and D at so much cons and played D and D at so much cons, like people look for me in that hat and then they call me over or then they'll be like, "Hey, man, you running games? Because uh, I want to, I want to play a game that you run." Like it was. It's actually kind of endearing, but the thing that people were, like e- most easily remember about me is the fact that I have that Pikachu hat. Yeah, uh, it helps me stand out in a room. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was just like you know, anecdote that it will be occurring. I probably I don't I probably won't be won't be there because I think I have to work that weekend. Um, sadly, the same weekend of Comic Con is the weekend of the Mercedes Marathon. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know. Consider, yeah, if you, consider that if you are local, consider this year a reminder that Comic Con is happening. Yeah, um, and it, it's uh, February tenth uh, that weekend, the one right before um, uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, so there will be no episode that weekend. No, there definitely will not be. Um, but once again, just to reiterate, if you if you want to come see at least me, uh, I will be there. So, um, all right, and that uh, that pretty much wraps us up um, on news. On news, and we we also do because we talk nerdy news. Like, there's obviously a very big real life news thing that's happening right now. Uh, what with police, let's not go into it because this isn't the show for it. Like I said, uh, the front lines of uh, the fight for equality are not TTRPGs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so uh. But anyway, uh, uh, personal news. Yeah, uh, probably the f- uh, fir- first thing we could uh, get into mutually because I think me, me, you, and Ryan are pretty much all going playing through it. Uh, Fire Emblem Engage finally came out. Yeah, uh, we, the we big talk, re- we, we talked about it when we did our, our VGA coverage. Uh, th- the big reason that I didn't pick up, I didn't uh, make an effort to get Forspoken, even though I was sick, is I'm still playing through Fire Emblem. Yeah, 
Um, so, uh, is it everything you feared? Uh, I, uh, see, everyone was, like, kind of down on it because of, like, the bright colors and how, like, Genshin Impact-y it looked. Um, that never bothered me. That is an element. They, they do, they do resemble Genshin Impact characters. I won't say they don't. Uh, but it never bothered me. Um, like, uh, the Fire Emblem since Awakening, at the minimum, has been Oops All Waifus. Um... And, uh, and and people have been saying that about it since uh, at least Awakening. Like, I that's really what... understood. It might be it might be ma- it might be slightly majority female, but it's not by much. Um, I I think it's I think it's, I don't even I don't even think it's because of a majority female. I think it's like uh, there's just so many waifus, and because like you would literally pick out like who ends up in what relationship with who, stuff like that. Like you literally make. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, that's that's been a thing for as long as Fire Emblem has been in America. Yeah, no, that's been a thing for, for as long as Fire Emblem has existed. Yeah, but I, like, I can't speak for the Marth stuff that was never released over here. Uh, Shadow Dragon was released on the DS. Yeah, uh, it sucks. Uh, I say that as somebody who played it and beat it. Uh, I can have my opinion to it. It sucks. Uh, as a quick re- as a quick review. Uh, <laughs> uh, I uh, I don't want to get into it. Uh, this isn't this isn't old school gaming reviews, uh, although it could be. Um, idea for a future episode. But yeah, um, uh, but Awakening was the first one like like that lets you like have the ability to like constantly grind, so you could grind out supports, uh, which help affect the like the well, fact um, that you're. What's the name? Uh, Sacred the... Stones had had a little yeah. bit of it too. I was gonna say the the Ephraim and Erica game. Yeah, that's that's Sacred Stones. Um, but like that was really the first one to to really do that. But it wasn't like the the thing that everybody was focused on because I was on a. I guess it was it was a little bit more challenging. Whereas Awakening's like really easy. Uh, but anyway, just gonna, um, just go sit here and assault me like that. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't finish Awakening. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't think it was because it was too hard. I, I don't think Crom was. was a beast in that game. Uh, and you had your like double up system where you could like have two units on one and just be fucking unstoppable. Yeah. Um, no. Um, uh, for me personally, uh, this like I liked Three Houses a lot, uh, but Three Houses had pulled back on a lot of like the Fire Emblem staples. Like. Uh, it had probably the worst gameplay of the series, and it had like the worst maps of the series. Uh, most of the maps in uh, in uh, Three Houses are pretty boring, um, as far as like just like things that you're interacting with, things that like you have to strategize for on the map itself to like make the map more interesting. Three Houses didn't have a whole lot of that, um, and like they did away with the weapon triangle system, like. It was very, very bare bones. Fire Emblem. Um, it felt like they were they were doing it very, very bare bones, like because it was going to be a Switch release, and they wanted to make sure that any like uh, any new players were coming in, like weren't too overwhelmed. This is the exact opposite of that. There's actually so much gameplay, so many innovations in this game, uh, or bringing back so many things that sometimes the combat can feel uh, uh, can feel overwhelming, even to somebody like me. When like they've introduced like the break system and stuff like that, which uh, can be a little bit like, or the uh, knockback system and uh, and everything else, where like uh, the combat can become can become much more chaotic and much more uh, 
Like, things can definitely change turn to turn, and it's not so much just move up a unit and base to base with somebody, and then let all of the enemies come up and attack you, and you just kill them all. Like, that ain't happening in this game. Yeah, because they, they, they they've also adjusted the percentages a little bit. Um, like, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to get to, to get a unit to the point where he basically feels invincible. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, you can, you can feel fairly survivable, but don't put too much stock on those, like, you know, 34% hit, hit percentages. Yeah. Um, you will, you will get hit, you will get broken, and then everyone else will suddenly you know, get aim bots on their swords and, uh, <laughs> the, and they're, you know, the next four attacks you take will be now 39% chance and it will hit you every time. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you, you got XCOM percentages in this game. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and they've, they've rebalanced a lot of the classes. So like the, uh, the knights and stuff like that, the guys that have the armor, uh, are truly very weak to magic again. Oh yeah. Um, uh, your fly units are extremely weak, weak to bows. Yeah. So like they 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 brought back a lot of the the, the strengths and weaknesses uh, of stuff. They like they brought back the weapon triangles. Uh, they introduced the martial monk, um, which is wonderful. Um, uh, I love the martial monks and their ability because, like, because uh, the weapon triangle for them is um, they're better than everything. Yeah, they they win all. Yeah, they are they are better than bows. They're better than uh, daggers, and they're and I think they're better than better than magic. Yes, they're, yeah, they're better than books. Yeah, they, they break books, books, bows, and, uh, and knives. Mm-hmm. Um, Which you know, you if you remember anything from geometry, you know that's not a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. They bring the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I, uh, as a as a spectacle thing. I did I did like that um, the when you are using the brawling skills, uh, different characters actually do have different fighting styles. Um, uh, one of the early characters you can get. Uh, he's your he's your second martial monk by the name of uh, Gene. Um, if you remember the Huga style from Naruto, his fighting style will seem very familiar. He even Naruto runs as he's charging up to somebody. Yeah, he's a uh, he's unstoppable. Gene Gene should be your most powerful character. Uh, he's he's pretty damn strong. Uh, well, like uh, he has like he's the only person that has like the growth ability on him. So like all of his stats like are always going to be like they're going to have a higher growth percentages than everybody else does. Mm-hmm. So I will say this: this fire one probably has the highest percentage of children in the, in the cast. Yes. Um, normally, you're you're dealing with like young adult nobles. Um, but normally each game will have like maybe one dedicated actual child, like 10, 11 years old. Um, and you bring them because you know, like Batman, you can see the growth in them. Um. <laughs> Sometimes codified as a stat, and if you level them up, they will become uh, demigods. Yes. Um, this game uh, introduces a lot of characters who are clearly children or like uh, in the middle of puberty. Yeah. Like, because uh, you get Gene, who is uh, ten years old, 
Uh, you get Anna, who is 14. I didn't even know she was that. I thought she was 11. No, she's 14. I actually looked up the, a lot of the characters' ages. I believe Clan and Fram are 15, uh, are 15 or 16. Yeah. Uh, but, like, still kids. Uh, but, yeah. You, well, they're, they're squires. Yeah. Uh, so you get, like, a lot of, like, kids in this game. Um, ultimately, like, so the big thing that I've seen a lot of people complain about is that uh, the gameplay is great, the story is bad. Kind of similar to what we were talking about with, with Forspoken. Which but, I wouldn't say the story is bad. It's very, it's boilerplate fire. It's board. boilerplate fire. That is exactly what I've been saying about right. it. I don't know if I said that to you or not, but uh, it's it's to me it's boilerplate because it is an ancient dragon has arisen, we all have to go and stop him. Yep. That is that is the plot to almost every Fire Emblem game. Uh, it's rare exceptions that that is not the plot. Because um, even uh, even if you're like, well, wait a minute, I played through sometimes, most of so, this. Sometimes it might not be exactly a dragon. It might just be like some dark, evil spirit or god. No, it, it's always a dragon. Like It it ultimately ends up being a dragon. Well, in Fire Emblem, in Three Houses, it wasn't a dragon. Kind of. Depend, depending on, on which story you played. I was like, like depending me, on what story you played. For me, I played Golden Deer. I didn't I didn't fought a dragon at the end. I fought a guy. I fought a dragon at the end. Oh. I played as Byleth. Uh, and I had a dragon bitch to take down. There's no no need to no need to shame her. Uh she never did anything wrong to me. <laughs> <laughs> she did a lot wrong to me. Alright. And she had to die. And I hope she burned in hell. Uh-huh. Uh so yeah, that's that's how that works out ultimately. Um, so like yeah, usually there, there's a dragon involved somewhere. Um, sometimes you might think it's like oh like like in uh, in Sacred Stones, you go the entire game thinking it's a, it's a dude, and at the end it turns out to be a dragon. Ah. <laughs> like uh, in the a, in the radiant a, games, was it a was it a dragon in the Elliewood game? Yep, the final boss is a dragon. Oh okay. You defeat the final boss, and then a dragon comes out. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't remember. If, I don't know if you remember this, but the children that you get in that game are the dancer and the. Uh, I and remember the them. Yeah, because they, they, they would they would let you have a turn back again. Yeah, they were integral to me defeating the dragon. Yes, um, <laughs> they were dragon children. That was what their plot line was. They were dragon children. Okay. Um, and, uh, is that what Tiki was in the Marth games? Mm-hmm. Okay. She was a dragon child. Uh, I mean, the first well, not, not not dragon was she like a dancer unit? Uh, I believe so. I don't. I, I it's been a long time since I played Shadow Dragon, and uh, as as I've mentioned, I actively disliked it. Okay. Well, they're in that like the the dancer game. The dancer class is a is a they always make it a special thing in each game. Yeah. Like you know, norm, it's like you know some weird. Uh, some you know weird weird gypsy girl you found on the side of the road as your dancer. Yeah. Um. You know, and then winds up being incredibly important to the plot. Uh, the and like you know in three houses that it was it was a whole big narrative, uh, event of who got to be the dancer class. Uh, you could make your bio th- uh, your dancer if you wanted. Um, but uh. But yeah, so no, it's always a dragon. Um, like the first, the very first game, the very first Fire Emblem uh, is subtitled like Shadow Dragon now, like, uh, yeah. like so. Depending on your, the, for my storyline, three houses, dragons play a huge role, but 
No, they were all, you know, that, 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 I didn't fight a dragon at the end. I fought a guy. <laughs> so, um, but, but regardless, yeah, like, I fought like, a guy wielding a guy who was possessed by another guy. <laughs> um, the way that I've described this is like, um, like you basically for long running series, you have, uh, two ways you can kind of hit it. Um, and, and I'm sorry if you've never played Final Fantasy, but both of my examples are Final Fantasy. There's Final Fantasy nine, there's Final Fantasy 13. Final Fantasy IX takes everything that came before it, turns it into like a perfect amalgamation where it uh, pays homage to everything and it pulls off everything spectacularly. Um, where like uh, you can see all of the influences for all of it. Like you can in Final Fantasy IX, like you find the influences from one, two, three, four, five, and all the way through, um, and it combines all the all, all the disparate elements uh, that were involved. In Final Fantasy Thirteen, they did they did the same thing. Only by Thirteen, the series had uh, like because uh, Nine was like like by that point it was almost all just fantasy with a couple of like sometimes steam uh, steampunk or cyberpunk thrown in uh, with like with six seven and eight eight uh, with six seven and eight. Um, but by the time you get to Nine, like uh, you've had like an MMO thrown in there. Or by the time you get to Thirteen, you've had like an MMO thrown in there, and you've had an Ivalice game thrown in there. And you've had whatever you want to call Final Fantasy X thrown in there, and uh, post-apocalyptic game. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, it was, technically, it was basically post-apocalyptic fantasy. Technically, yeah. Um, and uh, and so like Nine tries playing homage to all of these things while having like your, your crystals come back and be in the important plot elements. And some things in the trilogy of Nine games work really, really well for the story. Um, and then some things don't work at all. And then some things work kind of okay for the gameplay. But I know people who can't stand the gameplay uh, for Final Fantasy uh, Nine? Uh, 13. Oh, 13. Um, and so, because of how linear it is and how, like, the game autoplays, finger quotes. I don't even remember it. Um, uh, but... That was more, it had, like a, like, a priority system similar to, like, Dragon Age? Yeah, kind of. Um, I remember. The, I remember the license board that's being 12. similar to the, that was twelve. Okay, that's twelve. Um, so oh, wait, yeah, twelve is what I'm thinking of. The autoplay thirteen. That was the one with lightning. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Thir- thirteen literally autoplays. Like you would literally just select like because it would like have it had the AT- it brought the ATB meter back. Yeah, I like that. Okay, well, a lot of people don't. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like that. Um, and uh, and like you could switch classes like on the fly. Because it brought classes back. Yeah, the uh, paradigm shift and all that. Yeah, so a lot, but like I said, a lot of people didn't like those things, um, but they were pulls from classic Final Fantasies. So, um, but what so I'm getting at is that, um, like, I think like uh, I think this Fire Emblem was kind of uh, it. You're going to kind of go one way or the other on it. You're going to say like, oh, I see how it's an amalgamation of everything that's come before it, and I. I like that, and so I really, really like this Fire Emblem. Or you're gonna see like see it as like a Final Fantasy 13, where there's gonna be things that you like, um, but uh, there's gonna be a lot of things that you're like, oh, you know what? We could have left that dead. Because <laughs> yeah. um, that, that's the other two things about this game is like, while I love the story of Nine, I love the story of Thirteen. Like, like Fire Emblem doesn't. It's not innovating on its story. Like this is the most. Probably the most bland of all of the stories so far. Yeah. Um, also, it's just it's the most self. It's probably it's the most self-referential. 
Like, just because you're dealing with the emblems of past protagonists, um, you know, coming back. And, and obviously the game wants you... They, they want to milk the fan service of, of having the previous protagonist and They want you to go, yeah. oh, yeah, I can fuse with Marth, or I can fuse with Bio, or I can fuse with Ike, yada, yada, yada. Um, that's, that's why they gave them all fucking special full cinematic engage attacks. Yeah. Um... For characters that, for an American perspective, half the game, half the protagonists are people I don't know. <laughs> like, Martha and Roy, I really only know from Smash Brothers. Roy's our boy. Yeah. He was Elliewood's son, and if that was your first time. Yeah, final, I know Elliewood. I was like, you Elliewood, have... Elliewood, my homie. <laughs> <laughs> Elliewood is one of Lynn's bond rings, which I feel is the ultimate disrespect. <laughs> Wait, What? Yeah, the, the 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 bond rings you can make. Yeah. Like uh, every every emblem ring or bracelet, you can make bond rings with them that you can assign to people that. Oh, Elliewood Ellie Ellie is one of is one of yeah. hers. Yeah, Elliewood Elliewood and Hector are one of hers. Um. Yes, that does not necessarily mean that the uh, we won't get a DLC. Although if we get a DLC one, we're probably getting Hector. Ultimately. Yeah. Probably. Um. Because uh, Mars ring has Tiki, and yeah. Tiki is a DLC character. Yeah. So. Oh, Bylus has uh, uh, Claude, Dimitri, and, and uh, Edelgard as Bond rings. Yeah. Um, and all three of them are are a DLC bracelet. Yeah. Which is, that's weird as hell. <laughs> but, like, uh, on the whole, I mean, I'm still playing it, so it, undoubtedly the game does have me, you know, engaged. Uh, it, I guess you should there. Damn it. Ah! Huh. The game does have me interested enough to keep me coming back. Um, there are a lot of stuff that I wish had been done away with. Like the the break system, I'll, I'll tell you, is not is not my favorite thing. Um, can it make combat dynamic? Yes, but there's no. I have no idea how to consciously trigger it for me, and if I do, there's no way to exploit it. Like the, there's no way to. I can't send someone. Like, you know, in the weapon triangle, axes are better than swords. Wait, swords are better than axes, axes are better than lances, lances are better than swords. Yes. Um, I can't reliably send a sword wielder into a bunch of axe guys uh, because, in theory, he should hit them and should and it should break their stances so they can't counter swing on him. Um, nope, I have done, like, you know, 11, 11 damage on, on two swings, a so 22 damage, doesn't break anybody. Whereas I can send uh, the other way around, I can send a high level axe guy into a bunch of middling uh, sword wielders. They can they can at most do one to two damage, and they break them on the first swing, and everyone just gets free tee offs on them. Yeah. Like I said, there is something more to that system. I just don't I just don't remember what it is, and it like a lot of stuff is kind of like you have to read into it. Like, you have to, like, actually go into the tutorials and read because there's so many new systems in play. Yeah. And they don't really... Like, they, they give you the basics so that you know the basics of everything. Um, but, like, if you're trying to get on that advanced level shit... Um, um, the, now, the, the engaged main character, um, Alir, um, that's his default name. Uh, you can change it whatever you want. I left it as Alir. I did, too. Um, I do like Alir. Um, the, the, I, th- I think he is... Uh, Trying to make the best with what he's got, <laughs> um, and also you know they just fly out state. Oh, you, 
your main character is a dragon. You know, he's yeah. basically worshipped as a god in his world. Um, which is the second time they've done a dragon protagonist. Uh, Corrin from uh, Fates was also a dragon. Which uh, Fates is also the thing that like uh, most people say that they see the most of in this game. Um, I only it, ever played Fates. Uh, there's Birthright and Conquest because uh, you play it because you can be you can be uh, part of either fam of two families. Oh, that was, that one. I, I remember Ryan telling me about that one. Yeah. Um, but uh, but. One of the things that I like about this game a lot is um, like something we discussed a little bit off mic, which is that uh, fire and protagonists tend to be kind of uh, bland because they have to. They, they everyone has to be able to see themselves in it. So like a lot well, of times they, they they used to be just silent. That's that's a that's a weird thing for like fire. The there's there's the I would say if if you have a character that you're supposed to imprint on. Then yeah, that character is always intent, pretty much intentionally bland. Um, any pretty much any game where you're considered a, a where you're a tactician, normally that character's silent or yeah. or they are as milk toast as possible. Uh, the protagonist themselves, if that is someone else, like Ellie Wood, I, I mentioned, he's he's pretty milk toast compared to Lynn and Hector, but he does have something to him. Yeah, um, Ike, Crom. Uh, uh, you know they they have something to them, but that being said, you the the you in that game is always someone else. Yeah, um, but I was just, I was gonna say well, Crom Crom to me was like I found him particularly uh, pretty milk toast uh, versus like Ike and yeah. some of the other ones. Uh, but I was gonna say Alir starts the game off uh, and immediately has like one big chunk of personality that like, all the people, that no other Fire Emblem, uh, Fire Emblem protagonist has ever had, which was they're actually afraid of something. Yeah. Um, and that seems like so minor and obviously like there's, there, if we're talking in the grand uh, elements of storytelling, you're like, oh, that's, that's stuff, just a fucking nothing thing. And you're not wrong, but in the Fire Room games where like, uh, because they kind of struggle to make their money a lot of the times. Um, and so they, they try to have like their main characters be as accessible, accessible as possible. Having your main character actually be, no, not, not a coward. Alir's not a coward, but they definitely have... Uh, he is having to overcome something to go into battle. Yes. Like, actively is is afraid of, like, the thing that he's fighting. Um, and it is a part of their character that they are afraid of the thing that they are fighting. I don't know. Like, it's just enough of a touch that I'm like, you know what? Like, this, I'll at least always have that for Alir that I can always remember on. Because, like, Ellie would, like, if, 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 like... Gun to my head, you were like, "What are his characteristics that make him different from Crom?" Uh, I'd be like, "Okay, give me a second here." Crom, uh, uh, Crom had that dog in him. <laughs> Ellie <Edward laughs> didn't. Um. So, like, uh, you know what? What? What actually separates Lynn from Ellie? Would uh, like by a great, great degree, and it's like, I mean, they're. I would have to. I would have to. Pl- I would have to play through that segment of Fire Emblem again. Yeah, so what I'm saying is like, because um, like a, a lot of times they're noble and self-sacrificing, and uh, and they're calm and they're patient and they're wise, or maybe they're a little bit dumb, and that's why they rely on uh, the the tactician. Wasn't Lynn like a barbarian? Uh, she. <laughs> that is a misnomer, sir. She was. Uh, she was a nomadic wanderer. Yeah, like a Mongolian. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind of. Um, but uh, 
But that's that's a backstory she, thing. That's not a personality thing. Because she's the noble that you know finds you amne- an amnesiac uh, green boy on the side of the road and enslaves you. <laughs> You're not wrong, but but you ain't right either. <laughs> um, but uh, but yes, that that is her backstory. But what her character is like, what what actually makes up the core concept of her character? She's still like patient and wise and strong and uh, the kind of things that like end up being a lot of like and yeah. noble uh um uh which is a lot what a lot of these people have so um they don't they don't really get a whole a whole lot of degrees of separation so having a leader have something where it's like oh well a leader had to actually overcome something and was like actively afraid of something that's something like that yeah. that, that is a that is a little thing that is there that that like, hey, is it, it? We're not talking Hideo Kojima level storytelling here, but like, you don't necessarily need it because this is a game that is much, much more based off of its gameplay, and the story is there to kind of like further the gameplay and give you, give you more maps, stuff like that. But it still needs to be enough to keep you engaged. Something like that keeps me engaged. Yeah, um, I was doing it intentionally. Uh, I will say for the for the uh, gameplay itself, like just uh, norm- normally the the way finals that I've played go. Um, you know, you, you, you have like skirmishes that pop up on the map, uh, be- in between story segments and you can use, you can use those skirmishes to, uh, either, either level up your, your people a little bit more or to help, uh, level up your lower level people to make them, you know, not as much of a vulnerability, <laughs> uh, you know, in the, in the, in the upcoming, battles. everyone is useful and everyone is good all the time. Uh, or, or you know, in in other games, it, it's also a way to grind up the support conversations. Yeah, um, like in the um, in Sacred Stones, that that is totally what I what I use the uh, the the skirmish elements for. Yeah, the tower. Yeah. Um, well, I used it for that, and also just to get people into their second classes. Hell yeah! Um, because you know, normally it's like level one to level your level one to twenty is your base class, and that's where you max out. Um, you have to use like a master seal to get unlock your second class. As your second class, you become you know um, God's perfect killing machine, <laughs> uh, or sword master, whatever. Which, however, that translates to you. Yes. Um. And like uh, in in uh, in this game, it's I've got a lot of people level twenty. I'm really low on master seals, but the problem is that these skirmishes. Don't they're not at the level of what your story element is. They're at the level of like where you are, what what your party actually is, your actual party level. Yeah. Um, to borrow a D and D term. Um. So like, my party is like you know probably eight levels higher than the story. Um. There's there's a segment of the story where, um, narratively you're in a very bad place, but. Ga- then gameplay started, and it was like, "I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me." <laughs> <laughs> um, but for, it makes it very difficult for the people who may have been outpaced because some people are much better at killing than others. Um, you know, obviously, you know your 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 DPS high high damage classes are gonna are gonna do better in that regard um, because you only get XP from killing. Uh, you get it from like some support things as well. You get XP or you get, or you get uh, uh skill points. Uh, EXP. 
Oh, okay. Uh, from uh, from heel rods. From if you uh, do if if you have a martial master and you have a combat uh, block, or whatever it is, like the little, their little protection yeah, chain thing, guard. chain guard. If uh, if you have a chain guard up and they they do successfully chain guard, uh, that gets you exp, uh, exp. Yeah, there are a few things. Um, but for like you know, if, if you got you know like for my character uh, Boucheron, he's just big guy with an axe, and he's not that fast. Uh, my, you know, horseman with an, my horseman with an axe is obviously going to get to the combat a lot faster. And like Boucheron will do backup swings. So he'll do a little bit extra swing and his extra swing might kill the person. Boucheron don't get that XP. Nope. It's whoever's combat it was. Uh, a quick little, uh, thing that I'll tell you. Um, there's two great ways to exploit getting, uh, EXP. Um, uh, using, uh, two of your, uh, your emblem rings. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Tiki's emblem ring, uh, giving somebody the divine blessing where you give them the, the stone is like you, you get like eighty experience for doing it. Oh, okay. Um, so it's definitely worth doing. And if you do uh, Micaiah's great sacrifice, that gets you a full one hundred experience. Oh, nice! It gets you a full one hundred experience, and um, uh, it activates uh, it's it because it hits everyone in the party. It activates every single one of the people that they can have support conversations with and gives you points for support. Nice. Oh, uh, it takes you down to one HP, but you know, uh, it's something worth doing every single battle, um, even if you're not in danger. Just make sure that that unit can't get hit by anybody. Move them off the side somewhere. Do that full hundred experience, full level up. Okay. Yeah. I see. I've I've never even tried using the the great sacrifice thing just because felt it, too risky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I understand, but no, like that's that was the secret to grinding up uh, some of my units was just putting the, putting Micaiah on them and being like, all right, Micaiah. Yeah, like <laughs> Tiki, I I was Tiki, you know, I had on my main character because your main character is a divine dragon. Uh, Tiki is also a divine dragon in her game, and her bond bracelet allows you to turn into a dragon, something the main character doesn't remember how to do. Something I'm hoping he gets the ability to do at some point in the story. Otherwise, I will feel personally robbed. <laughs> um, but like you know, so I got I, I got to you know go around tearing shit up as a dragon until I finally collected Bylas uh, emblem ring, and I just everything I know about gameplay was just telling me you're an idiot if you don't put this on the main character. It gives you it gives you a literal buff to every uh, every stat for every character around her. Yeah, it's it's basically just it's basically just giving everyone three levels, um, three I'm, perfect levels. Yeah, I'm in I'm insane if I don't you know put that on 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 Violet. But uh, but moving on from Fire Emblem, I yeah. think we've, we've kind oh, of oh and one and one last bit. <laughs> this is just one one new advanced class that I had never uh, experienced before. Um, clan is, he's one of the squires who's watching over you as you sleep. Um, I didn't mention that, you know, this party is definitely the stalkeriest party of the main character. Yes. Uh, that includes, um, that includes, uh, you know, uh, Fire Emblem, uh, Three Houses, which, you know, there's a lot of the digits maybe visually uncomfortable <laughs> with, with, with how, with how the, my, my students were interacting with me. Um, but in this one, you know, people people stand over you. They watch you while you sleep. While you sleep, um, even when you select them and <laughs> select them in combat, they have like fangasms because the divine dragon looked at them. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, one one other bit that I w- 
the hell was I, what was I talking about? Clan. Oh, yeah, yeah, Clan. Um, his, one of his secondary classes, um, and it, I don't think it's unique to him. Other people can probably get it, but this was the first time I saw Mage Knight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mage Knight's been around for a bit. Yeah. Um, I'm normally used to seeing, I've seen Sword Knight, Axe Knight, Lance Knight. This is my first time seeing Mage Knight. Um, and I was wondering, I was looking at like, you know, okay, is there anything unique about the class? And I saw the horse itself. The horse has a wizard hat. Yeah. And that, I laughed for a good three minutes. <laughs> well, see, that was the first time seeing that class. I was, yeah, they've actually been around for a bit, but I can understand how you might have missed them. Uh, that's wonderful. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen other horse, um, casters in Fire Emblem. Yeah. Like, like the Bishop, I think was a, was a, yeah. was a horse dark caster. Um, but like, I, I'd never seen like just the, the Mage Knight class. And, uh, I just wanted to make mention of that. That was something that brought a smile to my face. I was like, I think they, they first showed up in Awakening. I think they're also in Fates. I don't think they're in Three Houses. No. Um, but, uh. So yeah, uh, oh, and lo- lo- the last thing I actually do want to mention, um, because uh, to me it goes a little bit hand in hand with the story, because you know a lot of times a bland character can be brought to life by a great voice actor. The fucking voice cast is stacked. Yes. Like almost every character is voiced by like a uh, an actor that you're gonna be like, holy shit, like it's them. Yeah. Like Marth popped out, and Marth is the blandest of all of the Fire Emblem characters. Like has no personality. Um. And but when he's when Yuri Lowenthal uh, is all of a sudden voicing him, I'm like, Spider Man's here. <laughs> <laughs> um, like Christopher Sabat plays one of the kings, and uh, I couldn't just I could not help but hear like All Might slash Piccolo, yeah, uh, like coming out and having a good time, like uh, so like constantly like every character you meet and there's uh, fire rooms are filled with characters. Like, uh, like you're constantly going to find a voice actor that you know from somewhere, uh, and something and just be delighted by them. I'm actually mad by how stacked the cast is. Cause I'm like, I hope these people can fucking return for another game. Yeah. Uh, uh, cause like sometimes that can be a point of contention amongst, uh, uh, amongst people, uh, and amongst studios. I remember, uh, uh, Yuri Lowenthal voiced, uh, somebody from one of the Tales games. Oh, he, he, it was, um, oh, he voiced, um, main character from Abyss. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, he voiced, um, Luke. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but then the next, like, one of the next, next kids that came out in the Tale series, there was a character named Yuri. Yuri Lowell. Yeah. yeah the Yuri main Lowell. character. And, um, uh, and they were like, and Luke is great. And Yuri Lowenthal kills that character, kills that performance. Like, Luke is, like, if we were doing, like, our top favorite, like, RPG protagonist of all time, like, it's it's not unfeasible that, like, Luke might show up on one of our lists. Oh, yeah, definitely on yours. Definitely on Ryan's. Um, but, uh... Luke made me stop playing Abyss. <laughs> uh, but, um... Everybody has, everybody interprets things differently. Mm-hmm. But, but Yuri would also probably be hard up there for me, because, like, like, I liked Luke's journey... But I liked Yuri as a character yeah. more. Um, Yuri had a much less interesting journey and a much less character, a much much less interesting character development. But the character was the type of character that I like, and uh, 
And so, yeah, like, Yuri Lowenthal had been, like, asked about it, and he was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, that was clearly, like, the perfect character for me. Um, but, uh... Uh, I'd it already just, voiced it, it, one of their main characters. Yeah, it just it just, it just sucks. Leave, you know, wrapping up, and on your way out the door, they go, "Yeah, the next character's name is is Yuri Lowell." So I'm hoping that that doesn't happen, and that like some of these people can come back and do, uh, and and it's not just like, oh, well, we only use Yuri Lowenthal for fucking Marth now. Yeah, um, yeah, stuff like that. Like, ah, I wouldn't really care for that too much. Um, and the the main character is voiced in this game, which is the first time in the series. Like, um, the main character has never had a voice before. Well, Violet had a voice. Let's... <laughs> Violet had grunts. Well, it, the line... He would say lines when he leveled up. Yeah. Um, he didn't have, like, spoken dialogue at, at like, the base. With every, with That's every like time. saying Link has a voice because he goes, Yeah! I mean, somebody's got a voice that. Uh, I'm sure Link has an actor credit. Uh, he doesn't, I don't think. Really? Yeah, I don't think he does. Oh, they just like a soundboard for him? I don't know. Huh. Uh, I, I, I just don't... I, I I feel like I would know it if, if, if like somebody ha- had a credit for acting Link. Oh, I, I guarantee you somebody's got a credit for acting Link. He had a TV show. Well, excuse me, princess. <laughs> Is that what you wanted? Yep. You son of a bitch. Um, oh, also one other... Because I actually like that show. One other big thing from Fire Emblem that is that is missing uh, in uh, Engage, um, weapon durability. Oh yeah, has been mostly done away with. Staves still have uh, are still consumable, which makes sense. Yeah, because you'd break the game otherwise. Um, which, yeah, I'm I'm still wrestling with how I feel about that. Oh really? Yeah. Well, because it's it it also it almost makes it. Feel more D and D ish, because um, you you pretty much have to go to the blacksmith shop and level up and get your plus one, you know such and such sword. Um, so I don't know if do I need to just wait and transmog all these swords until the highest level possible and then start doing plus ones, or do I wait for you just unique weapons to do that? Uh, Ryan, uh, uh, just to use Ryan as an example, uh, Ryan did uh, go up as high. But remember, like, um, you can't level up your weapon skills individually anymore. Yeah. Uh, they're not my class. Uh, Ryan ac- accidentally made himself a uh, a uh, a sword that he couldn't use. Uh, not a sword. Uh, the the martial masters like iron defense kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made this uh, the silver one, and he found out that uh, none of his characters could use it because it required an A rank to use. Yeah. Um. And, uh, but, uh, so you could do that and then just go like to whatever the highest rank that the character could use and then make that plus or whatever. Um, or you could not, uh, I haven't done a single blacksmithing thing in the entire game and, uh, and I'm getting along just fine. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but like, I also don't, without knowing, I don't know if I'm stressing over nothing. Um, um, because... Because, like, there's a lot of things that I could have donated gold to, but I'm saving because I want to get my weapon. I want to make sure my weapons aren't re- aren't irrelevant. Right. Um, um, I do know, uh, and to be fair, you could just try this and, and check it out. Making a weapon, like, plus five and then actually updating it, seeing if it translated to a plus five, like, like an, take an iron sword. Oh, it, make it, an iron- I, I can go ahead and tell you it doesn't. Um, like, I, I had, like, a plus two iron sword, and it just becomes a default steel sword. Okay. Well, there you go. Um... 
So, I mean, there, there are certain special weapons that you can get that aren't going to matter for that, like Wodao, your Liberation. Yeah, like my Liberation, I've gotten, I've taken it all the way up to plus five. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, other than that, then I'd probably just keep building them up and then wait until they're whatever the highest tier that you're going, that you're going to take them to be is. Um, but, because uh, that's what Ryan's been doing, is, uh, other than, like, his Killer Edges and his Wodows and stuff like that, like, yeah. But, like, the thing, the game will also just give you a bunch of redundant, obsolete weapons. Like, yeah, you sell them. Yeah. That's That requires a different Fire Emblem brain than I'm used to having. Oh, uh, yeah. Because before, if you sell them, like, yeah, you're like... I'm, yeah, I'm, I, sell, I, sell, I sell them, I've got money now. Oh, shit, my Iron Sword broke. <laughs> yeah. The game was balanced, so I had 17 more if I needed it. No, I feel you on that. Um, uh... Personally, I'm I'm glad that the system is there. Uh, they make, but they make gold really hard to grind in this game. Uh, at least where I'm at. Yeah, like skirmishes don't give you gold. Uh, they do if you fight a gold skirmish. Yeah. Where the like where you'll get like two skirmish enemies that drop like a thousand gold each. Um, and uh, there are. And if you do the training battles, they'll give you like four thousand gold. Yeah, and also uh, there's one the Anna character. She has a skill where if there's a percent, if she kills something, it'll give you gold. It's it, but the percentage is based off her luck, and her luck is not her best skill that levels up. No, um, but it, I'm just saying that's something. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, moving on from Fire Emblem, uh, is there anything that uh, that you had? Because uh, we've basically just done a review for that game at this point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That might be what a title this episode is. <laughs> Oops! All Fire Emblem <laughs> review. <laughs> Uh, but no, that's the, I mean that's the, that's the big thing you know you know it's not that hard not hard to believe uh, it's, the JRPG has been taking up most of my time. Um, then I'll go ahead and say uh, uh, everybody who knows uh, who listens to the podcast uh, knows that like I've been trying to break into writing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did submit uh, a uh, a novel to a pub- to a local small publisher. Um, which everyone gets mad at me when I'm like, it's a local small publisher. They're like, fuck it, you submit it to a publisher, and well, the publisher you, is reading your you, book. You finished something. Yeah. That's what like that's what you hear about most people then when they when they say, oh, I'm a writer. Well, it's been 10 years. Have you done anything? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it is submitted. Uh, it is uh, being read and reviewed. Uh, I, I have some some writer friends who are like, yeah, that, that shit can take a couple of, can take like a month or more. Uh, so don't, like, rush it. Uh, just, just... The, the, the fact that they emailed you and told you that they're reading it, like, that should be good enough for now. Oh, okay, so like, they did respond. To yeah, I, I, I have a response that says, like, uh, that the book is being read. Okay, awesome. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a small local publisher. Um, so, um, at some point I'll probably have, like, uh, some run of this, uh, of a book out, maybe, uh, depending on, like, whatever the next steps are. I don't know what the next steps are. I've never made it this far before. Yeah. Uh... But uh, I'm also not ashamed of having like a, a small or, lo- or local run of that because there are so many books that just had like a small run that that suddenly got in front of somebody's eyes, uh, and then I mean Harry Potter sure like had a, like original run of like a thousand books, mm-hmm. and then like it got in front of some kids, uh, some kid who showed it to his dad, and all of a sudden it's a multi million dollar franchise. Yeah, just remember, just remember to call me for the movie premiere, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to be fair, uh, the novel that I submitted would work extremely well as a movie. Yeah. Uh, because I'm so dialogue heavy to begin with, like a lot of my books often feel 
a very scripty. Uh, so it's it's not like that would be a hard thing to, like they would translate pretty well. <laughs> all right, um, yeah. So that was our that was our all topics episode. Um, I was your host uh, as always, Patrick. Co-host uh, Jared. Say bye, Jared. Uh, I am newsy slash fire emblem reviewer Jay today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let, if if we if we touched on anything that that you want to that you want to uh, speak on, give us give us a like, give us a comment, give us a follow. Um, you found us on wherever wherever podcasts are found. We're in all those places. Just type in Capricorn Podcast. We're the only thing that comes up. I've guaranteed it. Um, you know, uh, and uh, click the link in our description, which will allow you to leave a voicemail, and uh, you can you know be a part of the podcast. We'll give anybody airtime. We have no dignity, um, especially if you want to offer us money. Um, but until then, we'll catch you next time. Peace.